Before we start today's episode, I wish to acknowledge that this podcast has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. I pay my deepest respect to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. I acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region, and consider myself incredibly lucky to live, work, and raise a family on Ghana land. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Truth About Aging for 2024. If you're new around here, my name is Kate. I am the host of this podcast. I also run a business called Navigate Aged Care, where I help clients work through this journey that is aged care services. This podcast is really for people wanting a little bit more information that maybe are heading towards the point of needing services themselves, or most commonly I find my listeners are part of what we call that sandwich generation, which is an odd term. I don't, I mean, I get it, but it is a bit odd. But anyway, (laughs) the sandwich generation where they're still maybe caring for their own children and they've got aging loved ones that they're starting to realize need a little bit of help and looking out for ways that they can assist them as they continue to age. So one of the things that I always really strive for in this podcast is to share things with you that hopefully ease the load a little, that either help simplify something so you know how to work through it, that maybe give you scenarios or ways to have conversations that might be difficult with your loved ones, or that just kind of share a little bit more information on a topic or subject that maybe you haven't come into touch with yet and might come into your journey down the track. In any of these scenarios, I just, I really strongly feel that the more we talk about aging, the more we talk about the services available, the illnesses that come because of it, the conversations that we're having with our loved ones, the more armed we are with knowledge, the better we can support our loved ones through this journey and the less stress we can have on ourselves. So with all that in mind, I'm going to go back a step and say, I hope that you all had a really beautiful Christmas if you celebrate, but festive season nonetheless. As a number of the listeners will know, I got married on New Year's Eve, which was absolutely delightful. It honestly was everything that Ben and I could have hoped for and more. We love, we actually love hosting things at our house and just celebrating any kind of achievements or things with our loved ones. So the idea of having everyone together to celebrate us for a day and for us just to be able to spend time with them and have good food and wine and dance together and talk was just a dream. And I was a little worried I had too higher expectations, but amazingly it exceeded it. Cece was our little flower girl um, and she did really well on the day too. She adjusted really well to what was otherwise just a massive, chaotic, manic day. I shouldn't say that. It actually, I was very happy with the pace of it. We did a very DIY wedding and managed to keep things pretty calm and in control. 
And she just adjusted so beautifully and was an absolute highlight in the ceremony. She would keep coming up to us and she brought me a tissue at one point and then she went up to get something else for Ben. She brought him rocks at the beginning of the ceremony. She came running down the aisle and said, da-da, da-da, rocks. Anyway, that is a massive sidetrack from an aged care podcast, but I couldn't not mention that because it's a big part of my life and I don't know the reasons why you're here or why you listen to this podcast with me hosting it specifically, but I know the podcast that I listen to, I do start to feel invested with the people that host them and knowing what's going on for them and their lives also becomes part of the kind of pseudo relationship that I have with them. So I figure I'll share a little bit about my life as well. Anyway, as we are getting back into the swing of things, as you know, I I took January off podcasting just to have a little bit of time to refresh, map out the year ahead, honestly just catch my breath after the silly season. But I'm feeling incredibly re-energized for this year ahead and very excited about what we have to come. So to break the fourth wall a little, the way that I plan out these podcast episodes is most commonly driven by whatever the monthly theme of my newsletter is. So on the first Sunday of each month, I send out a newsletter um, unpacking a different theme or topic, and it's normally based around conversations that I've been having with clients, with my own family, maybe with other people that work in aged care. And looking at some of the themes of those conversations and what I can share with my audience about that. And one that I've been having a lot lately is around conversations about safety, making the best decisions, things like is, you know, is grandpa still okay to be driving to the shops or is it okay for mum to be doing her medications when we know her cognition's declining and we're a little bit worried that she's starting to forget them. There's so many conversations that start to happen like this as our loved ones age. And I think it's really important to always have at the forefront of our minds, their independence and autonomy in these decisions. These are people that we're talking about who have lived their own autonomous, independent wonderful, colorful lives where they've made decisions for themselves every single day. So why then does there come this point at which we feel we need to oversee those decisions or help determine if they're right? This in kind of the field of aged care is a concept that we call dignity of risk, which is really just a a fancy way of saying that you have the right to live the life that you choose, even if some of the choices that you make involve some risk. So dignity of risk is kind of a framework or a a concept that you talk about a lot in, I guess, the context of residential aged care. It's used a lot, but I think it applies to all levels of aged care in that, as I said before, there there can kind of come this point when people are aging where sometimes we take on this quite paternalistic attitude of, I know what's best for you, or I'm worried for you, or I need to make sure that what you're doing is okay. And I think it always comes from a place of love and care and sometimes maybe a place of fear, but it can really dismiss that individual's experience and their own knowledge of their situation and what's best for them or their own capacity to weigh up those risks. So whilst there is benefits in having conversations about risks and things that we're worried about. And as you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, I am a big advocate of having conversations with our aging loved ones about 
potential concerns or risks or things that we're noticing and being on that journey together. So if these are conversations that you're having all the time, none of this will be new to you, but I think really having this concept of dignity of risk in your head all the time is really helpful to make sure that we don't shift into that I'm telling you what to do or what's safe for you because that can be a really disempowering experience. And I think it often goes one of two ways. Either that person can feel exactly that, disempowered. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not smart enough to make decisions anymore. I don't I don't know if I can keep living on my own. Or it can go the other way where they go, stuff you. I know what I'm doing and I'm not going to listen to anything that you say because you don't know what's best for me. And neither of those outcomes are very good. <laughs> Ideally, we want to be working together alongside one another to work through these things. So there's a real balancing act involved. And I want to be really clear, dignity of risk is not about ignoring the challenges or concerns or risks that are there. If you are worried about something with your loved one's health or well-being, that's absolutely cause for conversation. What it means is that we're having conversations that are respectful that are supportive, that we identify the risks and create a plan together. So this framework, it's outlined by the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission. So it talks that aged care providers in particular, but also applies to families, should one, make sure you understand the risks to you and to others. Two, work with you to manage those risks. And three, respect your decision. So what does that actually mean in practice? As we know, there are a multitude of different ways in which this could play out. But let's say you have a loved one who is starting to become maybe a little bit more frail. They're not as secure or confident moving around their home anymore. They have lived in that environment for quite a while, so they're familiar with the space, but you're starting to get worried about them driving to the local shops and hanging out the washing and changing the sheets. And you're noticing that maybe their confidence is starting to decline a little. They used to just walk around the house knowing what they were doing. They now hold on to furniture as they move about. You've driven in the car with them recently and maybe it's not quite as good as it used to be. I don't know if any of this is ringing any bells for anyone. But what I'm getting at is you're starting to notice Uh, some changes, and you're starting to have some concerns about their ability to do things. Now, the last thing we want to do is jump in and say, I don't want you driving anymore. It's not safe for you. And I don't think you should be leaving at home because you're going to fall and you're going to break your hip and you're going to end up in hospital or you're going to die. And it's not safe and we can't do this. So I've decided that you need to go into care. That's obviously quite an extreme example. I really hope People aren't having those conversations, although I also know through experience that some families do try that tact, which doesn't normally work out well. So that could be a very uh, paternalistic approach. I'm here. I'm authoritative. I know what's best for you. And I've decided this is what we're going to do. Using that more dignity of risk approach, we would be getting alongside of them, having a conversation about, hey, I've noticed that you seem to be moving a little bit more cautiously around the home. Have you noticed any changes with that? Now they might say no, they might say yes. 
it could open conversation about, do you think maybe it could be worth having a look at something like an exercise class so that we can really work on your strength and conditioning and balance? Because I know you really want to stay at home and I want to support you to do that. So maybe that could be something that could help you feel more confident in this space. If it is about them driving, that is a really tricky one. I feel like it's something you probably can't fully appreciate until you're at the point of potentially losing your license yourself. But I hear time and time again from my clients and from my own loved ones, the incredible fear that comes with losing their license. Losing their license feels like losing your independence. And I get that. Suddenly you can't just pop to the shops. You can't just drive down to see your sister a few suburbs over or go to your grandkids school concert. It makes things a lot harder when you don't have a license. It doesn't mean it ends there. And there are so many other possibilities, but I think we need to be especially sensitive when we're talking around topics with driving. And this can also include things like, again, when we're not being paternalistic, we're using that dignity of risk. It's having a very open discussion with them about how do you feel about driving? You know, are you feeling as confident as you used to, or how is that going for you? And the stronger base you already have of open communication and respect and understanding and placing a value on their judgment call saying, I know you and I know that you'll make the right decision, but I'm just wanting to have a conversation about how you're feeling about this. That can be a really beautiful space to have these conversations because if it goes well, they might say things like, yeah, look, I've noticed I actually don't feel as confident driving at night anymore. So I've decided I just drive during the day or I've decided I won't drive longer than half an hour. I just stick to my local couple of suburbs. I feel confident there, but outside of that, not so well. And sometimes I think if we feel particularly protective, this can trigger something in us to be like, no, well, then you shouldn't be driving. If you don't feel confident, then you shouldn't be doing it. But I think just as we learn to, if you have kids, (laughs) just as you learn to trust maybe their judgment in small things and not even kids, it could be your siblings, it could be your friends, just as you learn to trust other people to make judgments about things, we need to place that same trust in our aging loved ones. And what I will highlight right here and what's going to be the next episode of this is it is very different when we're talking about people with diagnosed cognitive decline. If somebody is living with dementia and a vast variety of places where they could be on that spectrum. But if they have quite advanced dementia, there's a very different situation because they might be saying, yeah, no, I can get in the car. I can drive. It it might actually not be okay. Uh, in the context of this conversation, in this episode, I'm talking about people who are of sound mind and able to make those decisions for themselves. Now, one of the tricky bits with these kind of discussions too, is that you might have this conversation with them and they might say, no, actually, I don't want to do any of those things. I feel fine. I'm going to keep doing it as I am. I don't want to go to exercise class. I don't want to stop driving further than my local community. I'm going to do what I want. And the tricky part with that is that there comes a point where you actually just need to respect that call. Now, within the dignity of risk framework, the big thing to come back to, and I think what I often find a lot of uh, solace in is knowing that You're having a conversation about highlighting those risks and the potential impact of those risks. Now, this isn't as a threat. You're not saying, right, well, if you don't go to exercise class, you're going to fall and break your hip and end up in a home. So sorry, can't help you then. We're not threatening people, but we are, again, having an open, honest, 
sympathetic, empathetic conversation around what the potential impact of those risks could be. So you can say, look, that's totally fine. I get it. You don't want to go to exercise class. I just know, and the research shows that without doing some specific exercises around strength and conditioning, your risk of falls increases. And that's fine. That is your choice to make. And that's not a problem if you don't want to do anything to help that. We'll work through the next steps if something happens. But I just wanted you to know that that is the potential risk. All you're doing is taking some time to highlight those risks. Same things as sometimes people might live in really cluttered homes where there's piles of books and magazines and newspapers or dishes piled up everywhere. That might just be how they live. And so, again, you can have a conversation. If they say, no, I'm not going to clean the house, you say, that's fine. That's completely up to you. But I just want to let you know that that means there is potential risk of you tripping on one of these things or falling over that. And if that happens, it might end up meaning that you end up in hospital. And depending on the severity of the accident, there might you might not be able to return home. And that's totally fine. They're your decisions. But I just want to make sure that we're on the same page about what the impact of those decisions might be. So I hope that gives you a little bit of a, an idea around what those conversations could look like in those conversations as well. Often if they do say, no, I'm not doing that. That doesn't mean you can't revisit it again. I know my grandma listens to these episodes. So firstly, hi grandma. And secondly, I am going to use a small example here (laughs) of what I do in these situations. I have for a very long time been encouraging her to attend a second exercise session each week. One is great. Two is better. (laughs) to be getting some real benefit out of strength and conditioning and balance. And we had this conversation a long time ago, but what I've been doing, this again is really breaking the fourth wall for her. She knows this. She listens to these episodes and goes, I wonder what Kate's trying to do for me right now. (laughs) Although we have conversations about that all the time. Anyway, we've been having conversation about that second exercise session for a long time and we've revisited it a few times. And unsurprisingly, she said, no, I could, I'm not doing it. I said, that's okay. That's your call. That's your decision. And eventually, (laughs) I don't want to say I wore her down. Maybe I wore her down. But this year she's decided, no, it is really important for me to stay at home and stay fit and mobile. And I know how much better I feel when I'm exercising regularly. So she's agreed to the second visit. So sometimes revisiting these things over time can have a different outcome. I also think it helps you build trust with them when they hear you say, that's okay. It's your decision. I respect that. And they know that you're not going to push or make them do anything. You build some mutual trust and respect so that then maybe in another three months time or six months time where you say, hey, dad, if you had any more of a think about maybe letting me tidy up this room a little bit, he might go. Okay, fine. You can move that one pile of books. Because what happens as well is sometimes these initial conversations can feel quite confronting. What do you mean my house is too cluttered? What do you mean I'm looking more frail? They're often things that maybe they haven't noticed or maybe they don't want to hear about. So giving some time in between to pause and reflect and decide what's best can be really helpful. And sometimes as well, it might be meeting halfway. Hey, I know you're not going to go to the second exercise class, but I was thinking maybe I could come around once a week and take you for a walk instead. Do you reckon we could do that? So finding creative solutions in between that maybe help meet halfway, but also, yeah, revisiting it if you need to in time to 
help get those decisions maybe across the line. Apologies, Grandma, for using you as an example, but I know you don't mind and I know that we got there. So that's great. So that is a little bit about what to do in terms of looking at risk. Dignity of risk might feel like a fancy word, but really what we're talking about are those little micro decisions that our loved ones make every day, that we make every day, that anyone makes to look after their own safety and their own independence. How do we have conversations about that? We sit down, we talk together, we identify some of those risks, we talk about potential solutions, and ultimately we respect the decision of the aging person to say, that's okay, that's your choice, and I respect that. Here are the things that could potentially happen, but if you know all of this, you're informed, you know what some of those consequences could be, and you're still happy to make that decision, then I back you on that and I make that decision with you. And again, still revisiting if you need to. Come back to it again if you feel like it's beneficial or find a solution where you can meet halfway. As I said, next fortnight's episode is going to be looking a little bit more about what dignity of risk looks like in the framework of someone with a a cognitive impairment that maybe can't make those decisions and when those decisions come into play. That episode will be coming out on the 28th of February. In the meantime, if you want to hear any more from me, which you might not after this long episode, but if you do, you can find me on Instagram at The Truth About Aging, on Facebook at Navigate Age Care AU, or on my website, which is www.navigateagecare.com.au. And there you can sign up for the monthly newsletter so that you get a bit of a hint about these topics ahead of time. I hope you are having a beautiful day wherever you are. It is like 26 and sunny in Adelaide at the moment. Blue skies, just perfection, much better than the 40 degrees of last week. I'm loving it. I will stop waffling now, but thank you for having me back in your ears. It is always great to be back behind the mic and connecting with you all. And I will be speaking to you again in a fortnight. Goodbye. Okay,